bringing their problems to me for as long as I can remember. I have one of those faces that just says, tell me what's going on. And now I have one of those podcasts that says, go ahead, tell me what's going on. Welcome to Mess in Progress. Hey guys, and welcome to Mess in Progress with myself, Gina Brione, and my lovely co-host slash everything person, Catherine G. Mendoza. Catherine, say hi to the people. Hello to the people. I legit almost said Mess in Progress. What? Progress. Welcome oh. to Mess in Progress, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. I, I, was, I was watching that one TikTok where that little girl is uh, talking to her mom, and her mom's like, What do you want? And she's like, Chocolate. And she's like, what? She goes, a chocolate. And she sounds like so defeated. And her mom is like, oh, you poor thing. And she goes, yeah. Like the cutest thing. I watched it like 17 times. So now I'm talking like that little girl. Welcome to Mess and Pogwes. Oh, yeah, is what gets me. So let me, in in true fashion to our show name, I, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm like a, a whole mess. Are you, you a whole who mess? I blame? Yes, but you know who I blame? Who? Target. Okay, Target. We got beef oh. with you. No, I don't got beef. I'm just, I don't work there. So um, <laughs> I am a fan, especially in the pandemic, of the self-checkout aisle. Total okay. fan. But um, because, you know, less interaction, the best situation. But I, and I saw it by all my stuff. Don't get me wrong. I like buying um, my nights, like my n- night outfits at Target. Mm-hmm. I have these little sweaters that I have right now. They're very basic sweaters, like plain colors. I like them because they're like, what, 15 bucks? So I bought a few things the other day. And when I get home, I was good. I had to go out the next day to an appointment and I was going to put on one of the outfits, right? And when I look at the tag, I still have the security red thing. You know, the ink thing mm-hmm. that like they, you can't take it off yourself. It's that still on, on every Catherine. item, every item. Catherine, Catherine, Yo. you stealing from Target? I'm, no, <laughs> this is why I blame Target because I, first off, I don't work there and I wasn't trained on the uh, apparel section and how to check it out. Mm. But, Target, like the the self-checkout should have a like a pop-up that's like, this is a clothing item. Um, please remember to remove the security ticket. Cause that would remind you, I gotta press it anyways. I gotta go to the next screen to pay. Mm-hmm. So you should, you should give us that because I don't work there. Workers forget to take it off. So of course the average person is gonna forget to take it off. Now you got to look up a YouTube video on how to take that joint off because I guarantee you there is a way to take it. I guarantee you somebody. Oh, I'm, I'm not even going to. I'm not even. I'm going to go back to Target, show my receipt and just be like, do something. <laughs> like, I got <laughs> I to my- them like, um, fix it. Do something. Mm-hmm. This is, this is, and this is y'all fault. And the thing is, I can't even blame the workers because I did the self-checkout and I think the receipt says that. So they're, they're going to be like, they're going to look at the receipt and then look at you and just shake their head like. And I'm going to mm, be like, well, mm. I wasn't trained properly to self-checkout, clearly. Well, you guys didn't tell me the self-checkout rules. Yeah, um, I, I, no, no. And I mean, I bought other items of clothing yeah. and they didn't, 
like from that specific target and they didn't have the tag. So like, is there like a higher rate of like thievery? Thievery, like, thievery, what a great word. <laughs> is there, I don't know, I'm wondering because I'm like, why is, why do the items of clothing now have, like all of them now have, you know what I Maybe. mean? So, which one are you going to? I'm going to one on Essex and Grand. So it's like, right. But it's like a real, it's one, it's a Target connected to a Trader Joe's. Oh, like it's, it's like very, one of those. Yeah, but it's like a, uh, I hate to say this, but it's a gentrifying part of the Lower East Side, like the Lancy. So who's stealing? I don't know, maybe somebody else. But then y'all should have told us, like, remember to take off the red tag. They should have said something. It's your fault, Target. It's your fault. It's your fault, not mine. I'm, I'm, si <laughs> I'm siding with Catherine on this one. It is your fault, Target. She has those security tags left on her clothing. Thank you. I appreciate the support. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of support. Oh, you know, boy. <laughs> um, Fantastic I transition. I did a Gina transition. <laughs> um, so I have, I have, Okay, so this is like, again, you know, I, I, I'm I starting to try to practice as much like just honesty, like, you know how like a few weeks ago, I spoke about like my pooping and how like that's taboo and controversial for women to talk about. Well, this is another one, I guess. Um, and I was a little bit like torn about talking about it. Then I was like, why? It's not that serious. Um, so I found out that mm -hmm. I'm eligible for the COVID vaccine. Okay. Right? Um, now, it, anybody who is out there, now mind you, everything I'm talking about is within the state of New York. So if you're not in the state of New York, look at your rules and regulations of yeah. your state. But in the state of New York, there are rules and regulations about how they opened up under 65 based off of pre-existing medical conditions that they deem to be important for the second round of vaccines. Okay. Um, and it's not only conditions, it's also work uh, environment. So people, restaurant workers, stuff like that. Gotcha. Right. So I actually, um, I may have spoken about this in an early episode. So if you don't, if you are a newer listener, I'll just kind of like say, I have a, um, autoimmune blood condition, uh, called antiphospholid syndrome, which basically just means I have sticky blood. My blood is thicker than most people. So I have to take like a blood thinner on a daily basis. Um, and anybody who knows any complications through COVID knows that there's a lot of blood clotting that is associated with COVID. So I contacted my, my um, PCP, my uh, general provider, mm -hmm. and I was like, does my condition fall under there? Because uh, it should. It lives within the rheumatology lupus world, right? Yeah. They're in that family. Um, unfortunately, because my specific condition, and this is just uh, I hate to say this, but this is my critique of the uh, American medical system. Um, my condition mostly affects women, mostly affects uh, uh, like women looking to get pregnant and therefore does not have a lot of research on it. So it is not on the list. Right. It's, it's absurd to me because again, as I said, literally the only thing I need to worry about other than if I was trying to get pregnant is the possibility of blood clotting and mm -hmm. with a disease that has such a high rate of clotting for ill like the the the, the critical patients yeah you would assume but it wasn't but whatever my my doctor tells me no one um uh look at the list i look at the list it's not on there and then i see on the list 
that it says a, con a, a, a condition that can be eligible is somebody with a BMI, so that's a body, I don't mass know. index, is it body mass, mass index? Yes, body mass index of 35 and up, right? Okay. So now anybody who knows anything about BMI, it is it goes by your height and your weight, right? And so my height is 5'2", and probably a half, I don't like to claim it, but because <laughs> I don't want to be one of those people who's like, I'm a little bit taller. Like, dude, it, I'm getting older. We're going down, not up. So it's five two. I'm but, eventually going to be four eleven, like the rest yeah. of the elderly world. I'm I'm aware, um, but five two, and as of my last um, weight, like uh, physical, mm -hmm. which was I want to say the fall of last year. Okay. Um, I weighed, I weighed in, my weight class was at around 190. Mm -hmm. Now, I'm very well aware that a lot of my weight, it has significantly gone up this year for things that are not unique to me. Stress, yeah. sadness, uh, grief, um, people being sick. So that added stress on top of the already quarantine stress. Mm -hmm. And honestly, drinking. So everything did it to a lot of people. Drink, so I got another friend of mine who's gained a ton of weight. Uh, she says it's all from drinking. All from drinking. Now, let me get even realer with y'all. Oh, damn. Uh, yeah, no, it, it sucks. And I'm not ashamed to admit it, but it really gave me a punch in the face. So the other day, I went to weigh myself in my house. I don't do it often because um, I also believe more in like how things are fitting me. But I was like, you know, I need to, I need to, I need to weigh in. I'm not feeling all me. Yeah, yeah. That joint said 206. Girl, I have never been above 200. I like, I've never been 190 in my life. Never. When I was pregnant, I had to get weighed every time I went to the doctor. And I told them the same thing. I said, do not let me see that number. Do not say that number out loud. Do not let me look at the chart and see the number. I said, if I see that number, I'm going to get depressed. I don't yeah. care that I'm pregnant. And especially after the baby, like my trainer has made me weigh myself before because we're trying yeah. to keep track of my progress. And I told him, I said, those numbers are for you. I said, do not <laughs> ever, don't mention those numbers to me. I don't want to know about those numbers. Don't say my weight to me out loud. Don't tell me how much you think I lost. Just keep track for yourself because yeah. I, I won't even allow a scale in the house because I've been so tormented for years about the number that's on that scale, which by the way, every I, trainer will tell you, don't pay attention to the number. Well, that's also, you also have other trauma that has to do with your ex. You have a lot mm -hmm. of different trauma. I, I don't have that specific trauma. I have trauma, right? Like I think everybody has weight trauma, but not yeah. that specific weight trauma. For me, I have the scale. Honestly, I have the scale there because sometimes you have to weigh other stuff, but um, I don't use it as often for that same reason. But I yeah. needed to, I knew I, I knew I needed a reality check. That's why I looked at it. It's different in that situation where you're pregnant. You know you're gonna go up. Yeah. That's different. This, I, I need to know the number because if it's a number that I need to work on, it's not about becoming obsessive. It's just about the reality check. You need okay. to check yourself. That's it. So um, I asked her, what's my BMI? She mm -hmm. said 35. Guess who got the eligibility? Wow. Not because not, and here's the thing. Anybody who saw me, everybody who I've told this to goes, 
you do not look no old way at all nope. and i go but that is my my um critique on the american health system bmi was originally conditioned around the white male body yes so it does not take into account women in well most people women and then when you think of our racial and ethnic makeups and how we you know where we yes where we, we carry that. it so i actually knew the di dk diagnosis of obese I, as i said i'm 5'2 i should technically be in the 120 130 range i have okay. not been there since i was like a preteen girl me neither so i have been told that i am obese since i was a preteen right which is why i never i'm not gonna say i didn't take it serious but I never took it as like, I guess I looked at it as, as long as they don't say the word morbidly. Yeah. Right. But this is the first time that hearing that for years and years and years after physicals and how I would feel sad after leaving the office for the first time, it worked in my favor that the BMI index situation in the United States. Awesome. Is, now you win it. It's skewed. And I'm like, it's a technicality. I got I got the the vaccine. I'm gonna I'm gonna be able to get the vaccine off of technicality. So this is me telling people: check your state's regulation. Yeah. If you are somebody who wants the vaccine and does not know if they're eligible or feels like they don't have a pre-existing condition, check the check your state, and on top of it, go get a physical. Because I'm not saying this to tell you go lose weight. That's you know stay healthy. Yeah. But if in the moment. The BMI says you over 34 and you want your vaccine, go get you your vaccine. Yes. To all my thickums, this is our and time to shine. This is our time. I'm sorry, all you regular BMI people. I'm winning. Go. <laughs> so come on. Oh, no. You couldn't get the vaccine. That's why I put, I put up a tweet that said, all this time I thought I was fat, but really I just been prepping my BMI for the vaccine uh, approval. Turns out I'm an evil genius. <laughs> this whole time. I would like to thank tacos and <laughs> empanadas and burgers and french fries. And a little bit of liquor. And a little, a little bit, bit of liquor. liquor. And some liquor. A little bit of liquor. <laughs> I love it. That's, what, that's where I'm at. And it's not that I want the vaccine or not. I just wanted to know if I should and if I was eligible. Yeah, you should know if you're eligible. Like it's up to everybody's individual comfort level. Like mm -hmm. what you want to, like my parents got the first shots already and I'm happy that they got the first shots. You know, they're mm -hmm. in that group of people that def definitely needs to protect themselves at all costs. Mm -hmm. And so they're getting their, their shots, I think next month, their second set of shots next month. So I'm, and they're not really experiencing any side effects or anything. So I'm happy about that. Yeah. But when it comes to the vaccine, like, unless it becomes mandatory mm -hmm. or they try to make it mandatory, then I think, which then I think would be an even bigger issue um, and would turn into a bigger issue for people that are anti-vaccine. But until they make it mandatory, it's up to you how you feel about getting the vaccine. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Like do you. But also understand that like, at the same time, don't be on some like, Oh, I don't want the vaccine, but you out here kikiing all summer long mm -hmm. because as much as you you have the right to not get the vaccine, uh, you also could get still like you still could get sick just because everybody else might be getting the vaccine. You could still get sick. I'm sorry, I don't want to hear next fall. 
oh, so many people got sick. But then it's like, I'm not saying, oh, but did they get the vaccine? It, I'm still saying, but were you out? Were you still doing you out here in these streets? And I'm not even saying the people with the vaccine should be in these streets, but at least they they protected themselves from one strain or whatever. Deacon. Right. Deacon. We don't really know. We don't really know. We don't know. We don't know what people are doing. I don't know if they're pulling a Florida, Florida as a state. Yeah. It's yeah. just as they've been open. And that brings us actually to the moment for our TikTok of the day, 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 day. That's my that's my sound effect. Till we get sound effects, I'm gonna do the sound. Day, 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 day. <laughs> uh, TikTok of the day by Lore Divine. And it reads as such. You are so sensitive. You don't know how to take a joke. And then she leans into the camera just to explain to you how the video looks. And she says, no, you don't know how to make a joke. There's a difference between respectfully joking with someone and disrespecting somebody behind a joke. And I know the difference. I can read through the lines. Don't play with me. You don't know how to make a joke. Now, mm-hmm. for me, what this brought up immediately, it, right away, this, this concept of, not, of disrespecting somebody behind a joke, Comics in green rooms. Now, a lot of comics, when you get us all together or just stand-up comedians in general, we'll start cutting on each other, you know, depending on the group of comics you're with. But really, it's usually any group of comics that are together for a while, there's going to be some back and forth of like playful jabs. I was never down with this for this exact reason, because people disguise their actual disrespect of you within the confines of, oh, we're just comics and we're joking. Mm -hmm. And it's like, no, actually, you don't know me like that. Mm -hmm. So that's not something you should say to me. And knowing how I felt about that, I would always avoid situations like, you know, sitting with certain comedians if I see a group of comics because I know how they roll with each other and I know how they love to go back and forth. And I would be like, nope, I'm not going to sit at that table. I'm not going to hang with those people because I've seen some wildness said to each other that they love to shrug off and act like it's nothing. But I'm like, no, you were just legit disrespected. And they're expecting you to laugh it off. And especially like having been the only female on a lot of shows and noticing the jabs they take at women versus the jabs they take at men. And it was wild disrespectful, some of the stuff I heard say to women, like way over the line. And people are just like, oh, it's just a joke. And that's part of why, that's part of why I'm so torn with people's hatred to cancel culture because, and not so much cancel culture as oversensitivity as a whole. I think it's annoying to a lot of performers and I understand that, but it's also like, oh, you just don't like being called out. You just don't like being called out when- In cancel culture, who are you addressing? I'm confused. When when they're talking about, cause I feel like she was saying this in and putting it out there, not just on a personal level of like, you disrespected me, but also in, in a way to comment on the idea of cancel culture. Like right, but joke, who, who doesn't like to be called out in the cancel culture? Oh, the performer. The person who's getting called out is the person who's like, they're saying, oh, what you said offended me. Now, when you want to talk about intent and everything, and that's where people get like, the real debate happens when you talk about intent and is intent 
have importance if something that was said was already offensive, even if the intent wasn't offensive, if somebody took offense to it, you know, and that's where I think the big debate comes in. But there's so many people that think they can just dis disguise disrespect mm -hmm. with this humor. And okay. that's where, yeah. And it's, it kind of does a disservice to comedy in general, I think, because it causes issues like this. Now it's different when you're talking about like, when you're talking about people like Chris Rock who are like edgier and like push the envelope a lot and they want to sort of pull up a mirror to society and hold it up and say like, isn't this ridiculous? And they're sort of pushing the envelope in that way or like a Dave Chappelle kind of way. I don't find Chappelle offensive. I don't find what he says offensive. No, because what I think, I mean, and I don't want to speak on comedy because I've, that's not my world and it's not yeah. the situation I, you know, have been in personally, but I do think that there, to me, there is a such thing as mean comedy. Mm -hmm. There are mean comics. And like, you know, if I was to ever sit, I would just be like, yeah, you funny, but you mean. Yeah. And it's like, and I think they would say, no, you just don't know how to take it. Cause you mean, like, can we not admit you mean? I could be mean. Like I know mean, why I'm laughing is because I could be mean. Yeah, I understand that sentiment because right. I've been there before. We're, but but when you want to front like you're not mean, the thing is that Dave Chappelle's not mean. No, he's, he's not. He's making an observation, right? And the observation might not be comfortable, but it's not mean. And it's that not, has nothing yeah. to do with intention. That has to do with understanding feelings and going, you, okay, some people could dislike something, but that doesn't mean I was being mean about it. Yes. Right. And there are a lot of mean comics or just people. Yeah. I'm a ton of like I have friends and we all have situations where like you're really with your close, close friends and y'all make a mean observation and you say within yourselves the little comment and then you go, yo, we're going to hell because we mean. Yeah. Oh, we, we mean we, it though. Right. We, we just said that. We said that out loud. Oh, damn. It's that. It's even the knowing in that, which is why. We said it once. We even almost like repent a bit and we go. I'm like, yo, never... Jesus heard that? Oh, right. damn. I would never, but Jesus know. He know, he made me, he know. Right, but but I would never go in public. And to, to some extent, meanness is low hanging fruit. 100%. There's the problem, right? Where it's like, uh, the you don't know how to tell a joke, um, First off, uh, comedy is a profession. And I think that's what people forget, that comedy is a profession. The, that, therefore, um, telling jokes is a profession. But that doesn't mean everybody who tells jokes is a comic. Now, that does not mean that that same rules don't apply to people who aren't comics. We still understand the same rules. That's why you're saying the offensive thing. Yeah, I'm here for what this person is saying, right? Like. There is a big difference when you know you trying me. You know that the disrespect is there. Mm -hmm. You know that you could get a reaction out of me. And the question is, are you trying to get a reaction because maybe you're trying to start a grander conversation that could have growth? Then that's not mean. That's, you know, maybe you pointed something out that I needed to yeah. hear, right? But there's other times where people just want to be able to tell you some stuff and then like laugh it off through like, oh, get over it. It was just, 
a joke. You know what I mean? But I, I come from the school of thought and like probably where I come from in general, that was always like, I don't do it anymore, but it was when I was younger, it was very retaliating. So if somebody was to say something to me that was like mean and, oh, it's just a joke. Yeah, just like your ugly blah, blah, blah. Or just, oh, but it's just a joke. And then I get into the conversation when they go, yeah, but you were trying to hurt me. And you didn't think that what you said would hurt me? No, but it was a joke. Mine was a joke too. But you did yours as a joke, as a retaliation. And I did mine as an observation. That was unnecessary. Yeah. That was unnecessary. And you knew it was rude as hell. Or prove me wrong and tell me where it was necessary. Yeah. Right. Or if you can prove me wrong, prove me wrong. But the way I see it, the way I'm looking at it, yeah. You said something disrespectful and tried to play like it was a joke, like yeah. you had authority to say that. I yeah. was—I uh, met this comic years ago, and I won't mention his name because it's not his name. But we were in front of uh, an old comedy club in New York that was in the West Village, uh, called—I think it was at that time called the Village Comedy Club or whatever. Um, and so, I walked up to him with a friend of mine, and there are two dudes. I'm the only female in this little group of three people, and the guy mentions a comedy room that me and my buddy were just talking about. So I chime in and I go, oh, that's the room you was just talking about. And the guy, the other comic, literally before, right at the tail end of my sentence, as if we were sharing the same breath, he says, nobody was talking to you, sweetheart. As if he was trying to be funny and brush me off. Well, all of my rage came out in that moment and I went off on him, turned to my friend and I was like, I'm out because I don't even try to make a joke. Like if you straight up disrespect me, I can't help myself. I'm going to go off. Right. So I went off on him, called him an asshole, all kinds of stuff. And he was like, I was just kidding. It was just a joke. And I was like, you know, I said what everybody says. And I was like, that was not a joke. That was not a damn joke. You came at me and you didn't expect me to say nothing back to you. You expected me to sit here and take it. See, but I, and I think when it's done, um, cause it can be done, you know, men to women, women to men, men to men, whatever. But I think that when it's done from a man to a woman, there's one reaction that you have, you should have. Mm-hmm. And when it's done woman to a woman, and I'm only speaking because I'm a woman, right? Like I can't speak within man world. Yeah. Um, when it's done woman to woman, that's a different reaction. See, because there's different ways to hurt men and women. Mm -hmm. right so when women do it there is a little bit more of a snarkiness to it oh yes 100 percent when men do it there's more of a uh um an air like a uh i i almost want to test you i want to see what you're about yeah where women don't do it for that reason women don't go i want to see what you're about if you're going to throw hands women go um uh, you should be okay with the, the social politics that we can be catty. And because I am not a catty person, I don't allow that. Yeah. Right. Like usually women who do that are catty. Shit. Usually men who do that are catty, but yeah. it's just a different ver. you know, a, men a different version. Yeah. Right. So, um, but I still think that like, for instance, I would even, I would even critique the way you reacted because he you almost emboldened him by giving him that reaction. Yeah. Right? Because he wanted that. He almost sounds like somebody who likes to get under women's skin, 
who likes for you to bark on him so that he can call you a crazy bitch. He almost seems like a, usually well, men who do that are that type in here in their head. Yeah, well, I had run run-ins with comics that were like that. Yeah. This guy, I think, I really truly believe that because he was a really good looking guy. And I really truly believe that it was his way of negging and thinking, oh, every girl falls for this. Every, cause I'm such a hot guy. Like every girl just sits there and takes it. Like he was that kind of cocky. So he was just an asshole. Yes. So he was He's definitely an, just- It wasn't about being attractive. He's an asshole. Like, yeah. And, but in his mind, he had been this good looking dude for so long and girls just, he was literally the guy that like the, he could have been the poster child for negging the way I saw his interactions with other women. And it always seemed to work with like, you know, whoever that audience is that is into negging, he could pin them like right away. Like, oh, this girl's gonna fall for this. And he just, you know, he took a shot and he tried the wrong one. Because- Okay, so what you're telling me is he's not a comic, he's an abusive comic. Yes, 100%. And ironically enough, years later, I I opened for him, I worked with him and, um he was the complete opposite. And I was like, okay. So he was like overly polite, super thoughtful, still a total douchebag on stage. Married or something? I believe he had a serious girlfriend at the time and they eventually got married. Mm-hmm. And then fast forward years, 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 years down the line, we were end up at Gotham Comedy Club together. And he tells me that he had to hire a security guard mm-hmm. because he had said some dumb shit to somebody's girl in the audience and the guy was sending him death threats. Okay, I want to make an assumption and you can confirm it or deny it. Okay. Was he white? Yes. Okay, that makes sense. That makes sense. He has the air of somebody who was raised very untouchable. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, I don't, I'm not even going to make an assumption about his socioeconomic class. I'm just going to no. say, knowing his racial class, yeah, he sounds like somebody who... Probably if he would have had a nine to five, um, would just be like this for the rest of his life. But because he was chasing a version of fame, uh-huh. um, eventually somebody's going to want to slap you <laughs> or somebody's yeah. husband or somebody's boyfriend or brother. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Escandalo. Um, so I'm here with her. We agree with you, girl. Yes. Agree. 100%. We are down with it. I 100% agree. So does my son. That's why he's making noise. He agrees. He's like, who said that to my mommy? They're going to catch these little baby fists. They're going to catch these baby hands. You don't um, need that security. <laughs> I'm mommy security guard right now. Uh, okay, let's get into our dear Gina because this is one from uh, one of the coolest people on the planet, my trainer, who is also a guest on the podcast. You guys can check out episode 20 with Luis Novas, aka Makers of Reality, on IG. Check it out. He is dope trainer. And he is a funny guy. He's my Dominican brother from another mother. And here's what he writes. Dear Gina, what are your opinions on chapeadoras, i.e. gold diggers? So there's a known under the table economy out in DR where women make money by blackmailing men. As a Dominican man, it's come to my attention that a lot of men in DR are getting suckered into long-term payment plans by women who have them paying out monthly wages in exchange for sexual relationships. A lot of these men pay it out to avoid the high possibility of those same women telling their wives about the infidelity or arrangement. Most of the time this happens between men older than 45 and young women. It's really layered and interesting. It's a really layered and interesting situation. 
I've heard of Chapeadora scandals in my own family and couldn't help but wonder, who do you think is wrong in this situation? The Chapeadora or the man? Now, uh, Chapeadora, AKA gold diggers, if you need a definition for gold digger, uh, this is the definition that uh, he's talking about. A person whose romantic pursuit of a relationship with or marriage to a wealthy person is primarily or solely motivated by a desire for money. So that's essentially what these women are doing. I've known about this for a while because I had a bunch of people, a bunch of friends of mine who go to DR regularly. And so I do think this is an interesting situation. And that is an interesting question that he proposes. Who is wrong in this situation, the chapeadora or the man? In my personal, very humble opinion, this girl is trying to make her paper. She could not make her paper if men weren't falling for it. Men would not be falling for it and setting up this arrangement if they did not have the income to spend on this kind of arrangement. So you could say they're suckered in, but this is a contract. This is your choice. She's just working. She's trying to make her bag. She's young. She's pretty. She's trying to make money off of that instead of, in her mind, most likely giving it away for free to a bunch of, of, of men that aren't going to treat her what she thinks her worth is. So now she gets to literally tell you a number of my time is worth X amount of dollars. So if you want to spend time with me, you spend X amount of dollars. You want to do more than spend time with me? This is that package. And this is the next package. And that's how it works. I see these women, honestly, because a gold digger to me is way more sneaky than a chapeadora. She's a businesswoman. A gold digger to me is a type of woman that makes you think she loves you. Mm. but it's really after your money. This woman is saying, this is a financial contract that I have with you. This ain't about love, boo-boo. That's what you got your, your wife for, your, your, your main for. Right. This, is, this is a contract between the two of us. And this is about money. When the contract is over, as long as I have my money, we good, we straight. Yes. So to me, I'm gonna say the man's in the wrong. No. I'm gonna say the man's in the wrong because... There wouldn't be a contract if there was no man. So that's on y'all. Katherine? No, that's a full fact. Um, so I am not Dominican, but <laughs> I just want to put that out there. Because uh, anybody who's going to listen to this. Yes, neither one of us is Dominican. This is not something that like in for Ecuadorians. Mm-hmm. Or Puerto Ricans. Or Puerto Ricans. So we know this through the Dominicans in our lives, right? So understand that like, if we're kind of off on the definition, please tell us in the comments. Yeah, tell us. But what I know what Chapeadora to be, I hear I hear the prop, like the way that it was phrased. But although I believe that there are arrangements and I'm sure there are, I also have just heard that Chapeadoras can just be straight gold diggers. The full definition of a gold digger, what we know it to be. So yeah. the one who do make you um, feel like you're in love or whatever the case um, may be. But either way, using this example, it doesn't matter because if we're talking about a man who is married and, ha and having um, a relationship on the side, you're already in the wrong right there because you're the one who is married. So whether she's, you know, um, telling you from the jump and it's kind of like a, a sugar baby situation or, you know what I mean? It's in many ways, it's no different than an OnlyFans when you think about the fact that they're just putting a price on what it is that they offer. Or even if it's not either of those, if the situation is more like um, she 
you know, while she is in the midst of her moments with you, she does make you feel like she's in love with you. It doesn't matter. You knew that you got involved with somebody half your age. And I'm sorry, baby. I don't think, I don't think you out here looking like a 45 year old that should probably be with a bad 25 year old. If, if not, if this was a situation where a 45 plus year old actually fell in love with a 20 year old and it genuinely became love, then I guess that's not a chapter situation, maybe. But from what he's saying, a lot of these situations, they know they're out of the league. That's why they put money on the table. So don't be mad at the girl. She's just surviving. She's the, her time is valuable. Well, you are her nine to five. Full and fact. He sends you home to your wife, happier. I'm not condoning it. I'm not negating it. I'm saying if this isn't a thriving economy so that women can make it make through and figure out how to like, you know, live life, as long as they're protecting themselves and as long as they're, you know, um, good emotionally and physically, do you boo? The man's a man who's cheating, automatic a person who is cheating automatically is in the wrong. That's my opinion. If this isn't a cheating situation and it happens to be one of those, um, you remember the Anna Nicole Smith? Mm -hmm. It happens to be one of those where she's really young, it's a really old man and everybody still wondered, did she really love him? Well, the, or was she after his money? The question isn't, did she love him or was he after his money? The question is when he died, did he feel love? Did he feel happy to the end? Like he want and he wanted to leave it to her. Sometimes I'm like, yo, let her uh, live, let her live a life. Cause I'm sorry, but I do feel like um, older men, a lot of their crisis is that can I still get me a young one, right? One hundred percent. Listen, that happens with women too, but they know that. If you find a girl who has her life together and and ha and doesn't need you because she has a career and she's had opportunities to put her in situations and whatever the case may be, it's possible your uh, the that older man is not going to land her. It's much more possible. But a woman who is still just trying to figure out life, but she is a bad bitch. She might not because she doesn't respect herself, but because she knows she must survive yes. and live and all of that. Um, so I am for uh, the idea of doing what you must do. And both of them are doing what they think they must do. But to answer the question, if he's cheating, he's wrong. Simple as that. Rex. Um, I got a jet. Uh, so let's, uh, let's wrap this up. Catherine, tell the lovely people where they can find you. Um, you can find me on Instagram at Catherine G Mendoza. Same thing with Twitter. Uh, and then TikTok at Kathy Grace 24. Fantastic. You guys know you can find me at G Brion on Instagram at G Brion 80 on the Tikati Talk. And uh, check out the floor is lava on Amazon and any of the stuff I have on HBO. Bullet. And keep an eye out for some new projects that may be coming soon. Uh, that said, you know, I love to end the show with a piece of advice my mom gives me to this day. When life throws a lot at you, handle it one catastrophe at a time, people. Until next time, deuces. Bye, everybody. Do it like that. Yeah. You the kind of chick that's ready to fight back. Yeah. Looks damn good, but really she type bad. Mm -hmm.
go to sleep, I call him my nightcap. Born killer, you a born killer. Mm. Go on, get him. Go on, go on, get him. Mm.